Ai. That stir anybody? Raise your hand. Good. Don't forget that. It's it's sometimes easy in a moment to f- to feel like God moves and then you go home and you forget. Or you, you know, I've done it. I get it. You know, we see miracles or or see God moving and and it's really great in the moment, but we don't remember. And then we forget. And then we're not it hasn't become part of who we are. Um, so remember, be, be disciplined in that. If God's calling you to do something, if he's calling you um, to step out or go deeper somewhere, actually go do it. Otherwise, it was useless. We have some announcements, and then we're going to go through them pretty quick so that Bob can come up and, and share with us. Um, raise your hand if you're new here tonight. Yeah, one back there. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Um, for you and others who have been new um, recently, there is a newbie dinner um, coming up Tuesday, October 29th. Um, it's a free dinner, and it's a time to connect with people, connect with individuals, learn more about Communitas. Um, really awesome. Um, great food. Starts at 6.15 um, Tuesday, the 29th. Um, there's going to be a clipboard going around. So you can write your name on there if you're going to go to that. There's going to be a couple other clipboards going around, so just make sure you look at them and see if you want to write your contact information down on there. Jason, are the clipboards? All right, perfect. Thank you. Um, After service, um, tonight, after Bob speaks, we're going to have a time for for prayer. There's going to be prayer leaders up here. They'll have a name tag on, uh, maybe. And and so we want to reserve this place for for prayer and ministry and so I encourage you to do it Um, and I'm going to make one other exhortation because we're still not very good at it and well maybe it means we're really good at just praying for each other and that's really great too and that's all the same thing but there's things that that are so great to pray to communicate with God about um, with other people it's not just when I'm having a bad day or a bad week it's good to do that we need to do that but it's it's also just you know, just rejoicing in something, you know, asking for counsel. You walk up and you say, pray for me. What do you want to pray for? I don't care. Whatever. Just give me it. Yeah. Right. If you're, if you're hungry and you're just like, I don't know. I don't know what I want. I just want something. You know, pray for me. Bless me. P- prophesy over me. I don't just pray for me. That's so good. And God will bless that. And he wants to speak to us and he wants to encourage us. And he, and he does that through our brothers and sisters. So get after that prayer time. It's so good. And I don't, know if we're, we're doing that very well. Maybe we are. Ask yourself. Um, there is prayer encounter. Speaking of prayer, um, every Tuesday before um, Communitas starts at 730, it's at 630 upstairs, um, and we have a time of prayer. Notice prayer encounter. That means God's there. Woo! Amen. So we want to go and encounter God through prayer and partner with his heart and his mind and agree so that those things are, are carried out through our vocal proclamation and the authority that God has given us. And we are going to pray for each other. It's really awesome time, a great time of fellowship um, and, and, and doing that. So please come to that 6.30 Tuesdays. Um, coming up, we have another event Saturday, um, October 26th. Dinner, going deeper, bonfire and movie night. Sounds pretty good. Dinner is here at 5.30. Um, and I think that is for the people who are... Um, Going Deeper. Um, Going Deeper is a Bible study led by Bob Newman. Is Bob here? Bob's not here. Bob's not here. Bob's awesome. And, and so you'll be studying the scriptures. You'll be eating the scroll with Bob. It'll be a feast, a royal feast with Bob Newman. Um, and you'll be picking apart verses and just growing, getting your bellies full of the goodness of God. Um, so come to that. Um, so the dinner's at 530. And then there's the Going Deeper um, Bible study with Bob, and then around 8 p.m., there'll be a bonfire and a movie night. So even if you don't go to the going deeper, you can still come to the bonfire movie night around 8 p.m. Um, next week, we're doing something a little different. We're doing something um, visitor, kind of like a visitor-friendly night, um, which is really cool. We, we you know, have all sorts of different speakers come around through the year. We want one night specifically to target 
new and non-believers. So bring your friends. It's a great opportunity. Bring your friends. That's next week. Um, we are having a prayer time uh, on Halloween, um, 7 to 9 p.m. on October 31st. Um, Halloween is the biggest pagan holiday, um, and there is actually a lot of um, Wiccans um, in this area and a cult, and it's growing um, very fast, and we have authority over that. Um, and it's very real, the spiritual um, realities of that, uh, demons, um, and, the, and the influence that they give people um, in witchcraft are very real, uh, but they just really don't really have anything in comparison to Jesus. So we're going to come together and pray, and God's going to move, and he's going to be touching people that maybe we don't even know or can't see, but in the prayer we have faith that even that night that there's going to be witches who are touched by the Lord Jesus on Halloween. Ladies Bible study Wednesday nights at 7.30 led by Martina and Jenny. Has that been going well? It's been going great. And you should go, ladies. It's really good. Eating the scroll. It's a really good, really good diet, eating the scroll. I want to be on it more. Um, City Vision Bus Tour. We've talked about this for a number of weeks. It's still coming up. Um, it's a spiritual tour of the Twin Cities area, November 17th, um, to learn about the spiritual climate of the area. Um, and so learning about different religions, the different areas where people groups are, um, and, and, and probably even where God's moving. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it'll be fascinating. Um, the cost is about $14, I mean, if enough people go. Um, and the price includes lunch. It'll be a four-hour tour. Be very insightful, especially if you have a heart or a passion for a certain people group um, or um, religion to to target and minister to. <coughs> That's a good question. Doesn't say. There'll be more information. It's November seventeenth. There's a clipboard going around. Probably says it on there. Thanks, Tony. Two in the morning. There's lunch. That's a good call, Becca. There's lunch, so around lunchtime. If you have a heart for Japan, there's somebody else who lives in this house who has a really big heart for Japan, Karen Anderson. And she's not here right now, but if you have a heart for that, she wants to connect with you, and she wants to connect you with other people so that you can get activated to reach out to um, Japanese um, people that are in this area, Japanese students. Um, so, so connect with Karen when she's uh, back. And a bi- the, un- the other big announcement that we made last week, save the date, barn dance. Saturday, November 23rd at Hope Glen Farm again. And those of you who um, haven't, wear flannel. Um, so those of you who weren't around um, last year for it, it was really fun, really great, really exciting. You get to dance and chill in this really cool barn, historic barn, meet new people. And so look forward to that. Put that on your calendars. All right, I'm going to welcome Bob up now. He's going to speak. That took a little longer than I was expecting. Let's welcome him up. Let's honor him. Give him a round of applause. I'll pray for you quick. So let's all pray for him. Can you just extend your hands towards him? God, we just thank you for Bob, God, and we uh, bless him right now. We honor him right now. We, um, God, we uh, trust you to speak through him, and we give our ears um, to him, Father God. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, there's offering that I wasn't aware of. So those buckets are going to get passed around. Please give. Um, if God puts it on your heart, um, as with everything in this world, it runs on money. And that's really good. Money's not bad. Money's a tool that can be used for good or evil. And God loves to bless people with money. And he's blessed all of us with money. We live in the United States. We're probably in the middle class. Um, and so uh, please donate um, to Communitas. It funds a bunch of different really cool kingdom expansion things. So, And there's online giving too.
So how are y'all? I said that because I just got back from Nashville. Yeah. So so a big greeting to all y'all. They say that too. Believe that. Believe that. They they really say that. Uh, actually, I I went to school. I went to school for five years uh, in Louisville, and uh, <coughs> so the the accent sneaks back in really easily. But we were down in Nashville to visit family. Uh, I got this whole thing, but it, I'm not there yet. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> um, the Lord just kind of kind of leads you to do different things. So I'm I'm pretty sure I'll get to it, but. Um, we were down there visiting family, and part of the reason we were doing that was my niece was going to get married. Yeah, you heard it. Um, but actually, it's a good thing that she is not getting married because it just wasn't right, you know. But everybody had already kind of scheduled the day to be down there and that kind of stuff. But the cool thing is that her brother, my nephew, uh, just came back from the missions field for a furlough from Brazil. He and his wife and two kids... And so we got to see him, and a lot. We got to talk to him a lot, and um, it was really kind of a neat time. And one time my, my wife, uh, some of you know Linda, my wife asked him, what was the most significant thing that you've learned these last three years? Whew. And, you know, he was down there, they were down there, trying to learn Portuguese. I mean, they had to learn Portuguese right from scratch. They were down there trying to start a church from scratch. Uh, they were down there trying to you know, kind of change the spiritual climate, which uh, speak about you know, spirit, spirits of religion down there that's very, very strong. And, and so I thought, you know, I thought it would be one of those things. And even as he was talking, he, he said, you know, I, you know, we had all this stuff to do these three years, and there's so much that the Lord impressed on us and so much that he taught us. But at the end of it all, I realized that the thing that was the most important was that he just wanted me. He just wanted me. He wanted me to be with him. It wasn't what I was doing. It wasn't about the fruit. You know, it wasn't about the, the numbers of souls saved. It was about him and me. And I thought that was really, really a neat thing to say. But it wraps in to what we were just talking about, um, you know, kind of eating the scroll. <laughs> and, and it's going to wrap into what I, what I am going to talk about, um, which is, has to do with, with uh, the prophecy that, that Ben just brought. Uh, and I'll bring, you a, I'll bring you a different one by the end, but um, not a conflicting one, just a different, different prophecy. Um, so that was that was one thing. I, I just thought that was a, just a really important thing for me to share with you. I wrote down something else, too. Oh, yeah, religious spirit. When we were upstairs, we prayed against a religious spirit. And we, other people prayed down here already against a religious spirit. How many know what a religious spirit is? I mean, it's okay, to, it's okay not to, yeah. Okay, a religious spirit is, is, is an actual spirit that kind of inhabits our thoughts and, and builds a stronghold in our minds to look at God and look at life and look at spirituality a certain way. And, and the thing about spirits is that they're smart. They're, they're smart. So whatever you're, whatever, ev by the way, every one of us has somewhat of a religious spirit. Don't kid yourself and say that you're above that because we aren't. But the, but the thing is, the spirit is smart because whatever he's telling us has some truth to it. There's a thread of truth that runs through whatever spirit, whatever religious spirit is manifesting in you or in me. Um, down there in, in Brazil, there's a, just a really tremendously strong um, religious spirit. And so my, my nephew Nick says that even when he brings someone to the Lord, and they stand there and they profess God and Jesus Christ, they still don't know what to do because the religious spirit is so strong on them that they can't break out of the stronghold that they're in about, about how they have to be religious and they belong to a certain religion and they go to church and they do things a certain way. And that, that's kind of that's the religious spirit. So that the, the really insidious thing about a religious spirit is that you don't know you have it. <laughs> 
Because if you knew you have it, you'd get rid of it, right? So every one of us has a little piece of that. And I say that to just say, beware. Be wary. And when you see it in someone else, don't condemn. Don't judge. But, but take it as a sign to ask yourself some questions. What about me? What am I seeing that might be, that might be contrary to, to what God wants me to see? How am I living that might be contrary to, to the way God wants me to live? Even though it looks good to me, is it look good to God? The religious spirit is really good at identifying the religious spirit, Dan says. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, one of my spiritual gifts is, is the, the gift of judgment. I, I'm, I can be very judgmental. <coughs> um, I, uh, just, a, a, just a little short biography here. Um, my name is Bob Ryan, by the way. The last name is Ryan. My wife, Linda. We've been married for almost 40 years. It's great. How many of you are married in here? Isn't it great? It is. Man. And for all of you who aren't, don't listen to all those jokes. And watch all those TV shows that make fun of marriage. Because all it's going to do is start poisoning your mind and give you a marital spirit. I don't know if there is such a... <coughs> I made that up. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I hear people joking about, joking about marriage all the time, you know, and well, the old ball and chain, you know, that kind of stuff. It is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. Um, I heard Linda on the phone, just, just this was about a year ago, I heard Linda on the phone talking to her sister, and she says, you know, I never thought it could get any better, but it just keeps getting better. And that's, after, that's after almost 40 years, folks, so count on it. Count on it. Look forward to it. I don't know how that one snuck in there. Uh, but anyway, um, I went to a seminary. I was going to be a, a Catholic priest. Um, yeah, my wife is really glad that didn't work out. <laughs> so is my daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have a daughter and a son-in-law, and I have uh, two grandgirls, and uh, we, just, we're, we just have a great time. It's just a, just a great life. Um, so, where am I going with all this? Ephesians 4, this still isn't on the stuff, <laughs> I'll get there. Ephesians 4, um, if you got your, if you have your Bible, flip open to Ephesians 4. So, a curious passage in here, not because of what it says, but because of what, it, how it's quoted. Ephesians 4, starting verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, and now there's a quote, all right, a quote from the Old Testament. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. And it goes on to talk about ascending into the heavens and that kind of thing. But, but w what I always do when I read something in Scripture is I, if, it, if it's a quote, I go look up the context of the quote. So real quick now, just flip back to uh, Psalm 68. If there's any people that are kind of new to the, to the Bible in here, I apologize. And if I had page numbers to give you, I would. But Psalms is almost dead, dead in the middle of the Bible if that helps. Psalm 68, and starting with verse 18. This is what's quoted in Ephesians. When you ascended on high, you led captives in your train. You received gifts from men. Did you notice anything different about those two? Uh, yeah, yeah. In the Ephesians one, it says, he received gifts, okay? And this one, it says, you received gifts. Uh, by the way, in your train is not in any other translation except for the older um, NIV. Figure that one out. I, I, don't know why they, I don't know why somebody stuck it in there, but some translator thought it was pretty cool and stuck it in there, I guess. Um, 
But here it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives and gave gifts to men. And here it says, when you, ascend, when you ascended on high, you led captives and received gifts from men. Now, if you've done much studying in the Bible, you know that both in the Greek and in the Hebrew, you'll find words that aren't really there. If you, if you use what's called an interlinear translation, it shows you the actual Hebrew words, and then they translate the exact word line by line, and they do that in the Greek as well. And if you were to read this in the inter interlinear, it would say, um, I have to get this right, I looked it up, led captives, received gifts, men. And that's really what it says in the Greek as well. Led captives, I think it says led captives captivity. We would assume in captivity, but that's, that's the deal. We're, we're putting words in there. So I thought, why are these so different? Why does it say you led captives and received gifts from men in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament it says he led captives and gave gifts to men? And I don't have a definitive answer for you. I mean, I, I'm not, this is not from God. But think about it and pray about it. And I'll, I'll tell you what, what struck me. What struck me is that when, when a conquering king goes into a country and captures everyone, they all pay all the stuff they can to him. Everything that they have, they give to the, to the conquering king, okay? Now, I would, I would say that that's perfectly true. And that as we are captured by the king of kings, we give him ourselves. He, in turn, leads us captives into the captivity of belonging to the kingdom and gives gifts to us. Just, just play with that in your mind a little bit. But where it brings me is this, that we all have been given gifts. Anyone here who has allowed himself or herself to be captured by the Lord has been given gifts. Gifts beyond measure. Gifts that you haven't even unwrapped yet. Gifts that will so blow your mind when you see them, when, when you begin to experience them. We are, we are just continually surprised day after day after day. It's like having your birthday every day. Oh, yeah, and you get to open a new gift every day. You know, some people have that thing at Christmas where, where starting about three days before Christmas, you get to open a gift a day. You know, our family never let us do that. Some of my friends got to do it. Man, I was so bummed. Anyway, it's like having Christmas every day and opening a gift every day. Well, God has given us gifts and is giving us gifts for a very specific reason. And I'm a, that's, what I'm a, I, that's really what I'm going really to talk about tonight. That's what, that's what Paul asked me to talk about, asked me to um, kind of be his, his, his front, front man, what the what is it when a band warm, the warm-up band? Yeah, so I'm kind of the warm-up band for Paul because he's getting really excited about marketplace ministry and what that looks like and what it is. And he even told me he's going to do a couple of sermons on that, and, and so he said, this is perfect. He says, you can, you can be my warm-up man. So, so that's what I'm doing. Um, and in the opening act, that's it. That sounds much better, doesn't it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do it under the, under the guise of our recent trip to Africa. So there's a couple of you that, if you've been to Lydia House, uh, you may have heard some of this already, but, but um, we went to East Africa. Uh, we went to those three countries, Uganda, Kenya, and Tanzania. If you don't know where that is, go to the next slide, and it'll kind of give you a, a, a picture of where it is in, in, the, in the world. Way up here, those three countries right there. And um, we were invited there, 
by some people that had seen what we were doing here in marketplace ministry in, in work that we call transformation. And we believe that God has a call on each of our lives, every single one of us, you, me, my wife, every one of us, to transform the world, reclaim what he has redeemed, and bring it back to the kingdom. Everything. So, as you heard, um, as you heard talking about a little earlier, talking about the church, we're called to transform the church. That's was one of the reasons we talked about a religious spirit, because the church is not what Jesus intended it to be. I mean, most of us, when we think of the church, admit it, you think of a church or at least the churches or something. And that's, that's, that's not how Jesus intended it to be. So, so the religious spirit has already snuck in and kind of changed us. So we were called to East Africa to go and, and teach some things about transformation and about how people could be intentionally transformational. And I'll talk about what that means in just a second. Go to that next slide, please. Transformation, oh, the, how did we do that? That's, that's cool. Um, I think go backwards. Yeah, go there. Yeah, well, we won't mix up. Go back and I'll, I'll do the transformation. Well, so what is transformation? Transformation is co-laboring with God. Co-laboring with God. Think about that. Arm in arm. Doing what God does. With signs and wonders following. And God promises that. God promises that signs and wonders will follow those who believe. So how many of you are experiencing signs and wonders every day? Me neither. So why aren't we? Why aren't we? I mean, this is not a, this is not a, a downer judgmental thing. Again, it's one of those things that I think we're supposed to hear. We're supposed to begin asking ourselves, why aren't we? We're, we're called... We're called to co-labor with God to change the sphere of influence that we are in. Not even that we are going to be in, the one that we are in. And each of us is in a different sphere of influence. Some of us are working, some of us are in school, some of us are neither, um, some of us are full-time family people. Um, I don't know if there's anybody in here that's a full-time pulpit minister, um, whatever, but we're all in different spheres of influence. Go to that next slide. Most of us, oh, we, we now, so, somehow we lost all the, that's all right. Yeah, that, how'd get that? I, I must have messed these up somehow, maybe. Oh, good, okay. Well, most of us are like this. We're a candle. And, and we let our light shine, you know. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Isn't that nice? I mean, it is, isn't it? And it's wonderful. And it's a great sentiment. I'm going to let my light shine all over Roseville or all over Plymouth or all over Maple Grove or wherever we live. That's a great, great thought. But when you light a candle, look at how little light it shines on the word. And thank, thank God. I mean, I thank you and I thank God for you if you are shining light on the word of God, by the way you live, and the things that you say. But fewer of, or fewer of us still do the next thing. Let's see if we can get the next one. Yeah, oh, this, he's good. He's good. <laughs> fewer of us still are really focused in shining the light. Fewer of us still are, are very conscious about shining light. But thank God that some of us are doing that. And, and, we're, and we're trying to be focused. We're trying to, we're trying to bring a, a, a focused light on, on what people, on how people can live completely differently with the Lord. Fewer of us still are like this, where we really spotlight, where we really highlight lives, our lives and others' lives where we are very purposeful about saying, hey, there's something going on here. We're just talking about this, this uh, tour that's going to take place in November. 
Oh, man. I don't know if you've read any of those statistics. They, they'll blow your mind. And I, I, I'm not going to try to quote all of them because I won't remember all of them, but we're, the, the Twin Cities is something like the second highest Wiccan population in the nation. And you think, what? Come on, I've, I mean, I've never even, met, I've even met, met somebody that called themselves a witch, except on Halloween, you know, where they wear funny hats and stuff. Well, probably you have. And, and it's very active. And, and in, order to, in order to highlight those things, you have to be very purposeful. You have to study them. Go on the tour, by the way. And that's not just the only thing on the tour. <laughs> There's lots of things you'll learn on the tour. But um, you have to be very purposeful. You have to expand your knowledge, all right? But very few of us are like this. Very few of us bring the light of God everywhere and shine the light we sh- many of us shine the light in dark places, but very few of us eliminate the source of the darkness. And that's what the sun does. That's what transformation is. We're called to eliminate the source of the darkness. I think I got a couple of scriptures I, on here. Who, go to the next one here. No, Nate, keep going, keep going. Mm, nah, that's all right. We'll, we'll stay there. I'll get to it in just a second. So there, there's... There's five ways of thinking that we've got to challenge ourselves to think differently about. And um, this is this from a book called Transformation by Ed Silvoso. Excellent book. That one and um, Anointed for Business, also by Ed Silvoso. I recommend them highly. Uh, it, it, he's one of the grandfathers of the, of the, tr- the um, marketplace ministry and transformation movement. The first pivotal paradigm is this. The Great Commission is about discipling nations, not just people. Go, therefore, and disciple all nations, it says. It doesn't say people. It says nations. And even when Ben was talking about the house of Israel, he wasn't talking about a house. He wasn't talking about a temple. He wasn't talking about a church. The house of Israel is the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel. And, and so we need, to, we need to really challenge ourselves to think beyond individual evangelism, which, which is great, by the way. Please keep doing it. If you're, if you're not doing it yet, start doing it. It's, it's wonderful. But we need to challenge ourselves. This is a new paradigm. What you heard about the 4% is, did he say 4% of your, of your generation? You're not, you're not going to reach those people in churches. Sorry, because they, they aren't there. You're going to reach them, next one, in the marketplace. Because that's the heart of a nation. When we're called to disciple nations, we go to the heart of the nation. The heart of the nation, the heartbeat of a nation is this, isn't it? It's the money. It's where exchange takes place. Now the marketplace isn't just business. It's, you know, it's the arts, it's the, it's the uh, media, it's um, schools, it's family, it's any place where people are is the marketplace. Um, so that's, we're, we're called to this place. Now God's already redeemed, Jesus has already redeemed the marketplace. No, l- let's, let's, not, let's not forget that. It's redeemed but it's not reclaimed. It's like the war has been won, but we've got to go in and sweep up all the ordnance that's still buried in the ground, the unexploded bombs. The third paradigm, labor. Work is worship. Work is worship. Go back to Genesis, if you don't believe me, and look at how we were created. And look at the very first thing that God said to do. Go into all the world, multiply, and rule. Got a job there. A little later in chapter 2, he says, go out and name all the animals. Work in the garden. Work is, is the premium of exchange in the kingdom. Work is. 
Now, part of the reason I want to talk about this is, is because it's dear to my heart, but part of the reason Paul wanted me to talk about this is, is that so many young people, myself included, remember I told you I was in the seminary? Myself included, make the wrong conclusion that the only way to serve God is by going on the missions field or becoming a pulpit minister. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. It is. I'm sorry. I mean, it, I, and I, I, I love my pastors, um, I, you know, both Paul and um, I also go to, also go to North Heights and, and Phil um, Mather is my pastor as well. Love them dearly. Rely on them. Phil Mather is my accountability partner. I meet with him every week, pray with him. We hold ourselves, we hold each other accountable. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. But not everyone, not everyone is called to the ministry as we define it. I believe everyone is called to ministry. But I define it a lot broader than that. So labor is the premier expression of worship, and every one of us is a minister. I don't care if you're working in the coffee shop or if you're, (laughs) 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 all right. (laughs) Or or if you're in a factory, if you're in school, your job is to be a student right now if you're in school. That's your job. I don't care if you're a housewife or house husband, although there's less of those. That's your job. And you are called to be a minister in that sphere of influence. Next one. Our primary call is not to build a church. We get so confused about this. You know, Jesus, Jesus, when he said to Peter, he said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He didn't say, upon this rock, Peter, build my church. And what was the rock? The what? The testimony, the revelation that Jesus was Lord. His testimony, that was the rock. It wasn't on Peter. And I grew up thinking that Peter was the first pope because of just that very thing that Jesus said, upon this rock, thinking it meant Peter. By the way, Peter means rock. So it's very confusing. (laughs) All right? So upon this rock, I will build my church. But it says clearly, I will build my church. So in case you're wondering whether you are called to build a church, you're not. Sorry, that's not your job. I don't care what you think your job is, but that ain't it. Okay? Last one. This is, there's one more here, but I know it by heart, so. (laughs) Well, that's all right. Go back, no, go back there. These are the two scriptures I, I mentioned. And these are really important for those first four paradigms. In 2 Corinthians 4 or 5, it says, the eyes of unbelievers are blinded by the enemy. The darkness, okay? That's where the darkness comes from. The enemies, the enemies spreading the darkness all over. But you, my friends, and I, are called to open their eyes so they can experience the gospel of Christ. We're called to dispel that darkness. We're called to open the eyes We're called to eliminate the darkness, and that brings us to that last paradigm. The premier social indicator that transformation is taking place is the elimination of those darkness, dark places. Systemic poverty is, is, if you read read Sovoso, that's a shorthand term for a lot of things. Systemic poverty. But it's the systems that hold us down. The systems that keep people from blossoming financially, um, spiritually, relationally, motivationally, all those different things. So those five paradigms are things that we've got to get our heads around and begin to start thinking differently about. Having done that, we can go on. And one more. Jesus gives us a model for doing this. This is not hard. Now, process of doing it might be a little hard, but it's not hard. 
Jesus sent the 70. Remember, he said, they, he said, the fields are white unto harvest. Pray then to the Lord of the harvest that he send workers into the harvest. And what did Jesus do? He got right down on his knees with the disciples. He started praying, didn't he? Trick question. No. He did not. He said, pray then to the Lord of the harvest that he send workers into the harvest. Now go. Those were his very next words. In other words, we got to go. We can pray. Absolutely, we should be praying for workers in the harvest, but we're the ones to go. He said, go to the towns and the places that I'm about to go. And he gave them four jobs, four steps, the four steps of evangelism. Speak peace and blessings into people. You know, any one of us can do this. There's no fear here. This is not one of those things where you have to learn some you know, special language. You don't even have to do this out loud. Okay, I'm gonna, sh I'm gonna talk about a, a place that we went in Africa called Busambadia, and their whole congregation began speaking blessings into their Muslim neighbors. Just walking down the street. They would, they would just walk by and say, God bless this household. God let them prosper. God, let their children grow strong. God, let their crops be prosperous. And you, I'll tell you about the change, but there was a major change just by doing that first step. Second step, Jesus says, once you find a place where peace lands, then build a relationship with them. Hang out. Eat with them, it says in the scripture. Eat whatever they set before you. Hang out with them. In other words, Build trust. I mean, if you're going to tell anybody anything about Jesus, you better have a trust level there first. I can't remember who said this. I thought it was a great thing. And that is, um, let's see, what was it? Tell, talk, talk to God about your neighbor before you talk to your neighbor about God. And you know how many of us do that? You know, in, in evangelism training 101, we're taught to go in there and kind of lob these God grenades in. <laughs> Got them. <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, do you know Jesus? <laughs> because, brothers and sisters, if you don't know Jesus, <laughs> you don't know God. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Got we have, to, uh, we have to be careful that we're building a relationship because it's our, our whole lives live on relationships. Think of the things that you've had the most influence on other people around. They always came through your relationship. It didn't just come because you had this neat new car that you wanted to show them. So build a relationship is the next step. And then they will start sharing with you what their felt needs are. They'll start sharing with you what they need healing for. And you can step forward and know, because you're a believer that signs and wonders follow, you will know that they will experience healing. This is the one that's hardest for people because they go, oh yeah, but what if they show me their sore arm and God doesn't heal them. That's not your business. It's not your job. Your job is to pray for healing. Lay hands on them, pray for healing. God will deal with them inside about how, when, all that stuff. That's his job. That's the Holy Spirit's job, not yours. But if you don't step out and pray, how will they ever know, step four, that there's a God there's a kingdom, there's a, there's a life that they are being called to. They'll never know. But Jesus tells us to do that only after the other three steps. Only after the other three steps do we, do we introduce and say, let me tell you about my buddy Jesus, the one that just healed your, your arm, the one that healed your daughter's relationship with her, with her ugly boyfriend. Let me tell you about my buddy Jesus. 
Now they've got a relationship, they trust you, they've seen something happen. That's where evangelism comes through. Okay. So we went to East Africa. Remember East Africa? I was telling you about East Africa. I started out. It was about 20 minutes ago. Um, we went to East Africa. We went to, went to a little village called Busambaria. Only 17,000 people in it. There are only two paved roads in it, the two crossroads. And um, the uh, picture you see down in the lower left-hand corner is actually their hospital. Um, what you see those kids sitting on is a hospital bed with cracked vinyl covering. And that's how things are there. What you see on the right-hand side are water buckets. There's only about seven places in town where you can get water. And little tiny kids, I swear, little smaller than my five-year-old granddaughter, are carrying those big buckets, big bins or whatever you call those things, full of water. Two, five, six, ten blocks. Those poor kids, you just cannot believe. Women are carrying them on the tops of their heads. Don't ask me how they do that, but they do it. <coughs> You know, kids, kids are carrying them, women are carrying them. Very rarely do you see men carrying them. Surprise. <laughs> anyway, people strap them on their bicycles. Um, whatever you think you've ever been able to fit on your bicycle, you've never been able to fit anything on your bicycle the way they fit on bicycles here. So anyway, so we went to Busambadi. We taught them those steps. Go to the next slide. The pastor that invited us there had already built this school. Mount Zion Education Center, the one on the top, that's what's actually there. Across the quadrangle from it, you can't see it, is this church, which is the biggest building in Busambadia. So what do you think that says to people in the town? Because of this large presence of a church, because of the praying congregation, Muslims are coming to his church and asking to meet Christ. And it's because of what they're doing. It's not because of what they're saying. They are building. They are teaching kids in the, in the village. They're teaching every kid in the village. doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter whether they're um, Muslim or not. They make no apologies about teaching Christ in the school. They sing songs. They have prayer time. They, sing, they teach Bible. And, and Muslim the Muslim leaders of the town are sending their own kids because it's the best education around. And they know their kids are going to get a better education here at this Christian school. This pastor has a dream that lower one is, is not built. As a matter of fact, I just got that today um, and pasted it in here. That's his dream, is to triple the size of the school. Now, schools in a place like Busambadia provide for the kids they feed them during the day. They provide for the teachers and feed them and usually house them as well. And still, it probably costs, I think it's like $1,700 a year. What does it cost you last, last quarter that you just signed up for? <laughs> okay. Next slide. Um, don't, don't click on this one yet, but... The pastor's name is Dawson Musasizi, and um, he is a man who truly has the vision of changing the spiritual climate and transforming his village, starting with his own parishioners, but as you've already heard, he's branching out into the entire town. He has such favor in this town that the Muslims are selling him land. This is un heard of. Muslims only sell land to other Muslims. He is, he's now bought three parcels of land that were offered to him by Muslims. Um, play this little video. Uh, yeah. We, without land in our setting, it is very hard to do, uh, to carry out development because land means everything to us. This Uganda, even if Uganda, even if today is a, a time of technology, Uganda will remain a food basket of Africa and an agricultural land. And many Asian nations are grabbing for land in Uganda. Therefore, for us to have a land like this is just a beginning. And uh, on a land like this, what we can do is like have a dairy farm 
where we can uh, produce milk by fencing this land, uh, dividing it in paddocks. We can grow corn for the purpose of food, beans. Another portion we can just grow eucalyptus trees uh, because within th four years we, they can be sold and for the purpose of generating money. Therefore, we can't underestimate the value and need for land in our nation. Okay, what you saw in the, in the middle in there that you probably couldn't read was um, the local witch doctors had put a curse on the land. And I got to see, we were walking along the land, I looked down and I thought, what the heck is this stuff? And reached out, it was all little woven things that they had woven a little doll out of and stuff. And it was a, it was a curse. Wow, I thought, man, I didn't even know what it was. That's how innocent I am. Um, so I'm just going to kind of whip through a couple of examples here. The next one you're going to see is, is um, a woman that was actually our translator while we are doing this teaching. She is a nurse in a hospital, and... Um, that she's not, she's not like the department head or anything, just a regular old employee. She's probably about 27 years old, something like that. And um, this is her testimony. Hello, this is Peace from Uganda, Movende Town. I'm so glad about Market 70. It has really done me great. Uh, after spending a week in Market 70, studying about business and how I can worship God through my own work, I got a passion. And when I went back home, I have a group of young ladies that I lead. I started teaching them about how they can come up how they can get into business, how they can have capital. Before coming for Market 70, I used to teach them how to, to praise, to worship, how to read the word. But issues of business, I would not really go deep into it. But I thank God after Market 70, I went back home, started teaching them on how to be confident as young ladies, because most African women are not confident about themselves. They always depend on a man, but we are trying to change their attitude. They, are, they take themselves as low-esteemed people, people who cannot do anything. But I thank God after Market 70, I'm really glad. I've taught young girls how they can stand out, how they can come up. Some have started small businesses. One young lady was giving me a testimony. She has bought land from her money from her own business. So I'm just so grateful about Market 70. You can just go to the next, just go to the next one. This next one, um, Nathan Mununuzi, is a um, government employee who, as you'll hear, is leaving his government employee and moving back to the small village, going from the big city back to the small village because he believes so much in the transformational power of what he can do in that small village. That's where his, that's where his love is. So let's listen to that real quick. I'm trying out something. You know, people here, when someone gets some money, he, mo he thinks of moving to town. People even sell their land to go and start businesses in town. Okay. Now, for me, I'm leaving town to come to the village. <laughs> yes. And my wife and children are coming to live here yes. and to make money here and show people that there is money in the rural, mm -hmm. not, only in, mm -hmm. not only in town. There are others that I, I employ just casually. Mm -hmm. You come, I give you a piece of land, you, you do the tilling, I pay you, then tomorrow when the weeds are back, I will again employ you. Mm -hmm. Like that. Yes. So now people know that there are some jobs here they can work on. Yes. Now today's Idi, the whole of last week they were disturbing my manager. Can you give us some work so that we can get some money for Idi? <laughs> so, yeah. so it is not just a home of me to get money, but equally the the communities and the people are really uh, hoping to to benefit out of it. Yeah. Okay. Again, you can stop. So this is a man who has, has seen the power of transformation, that he is touching hundreds now, literally hundreds of lives, through this poultry farming, teaching people how to be poultry farmers. He doesn't just sell them the chickens. He teaches them how to be poultry farmers. His 
vision is that the region around Busambadia will be the largest poultry-producing region in Uganda. And listen to all the people he's employing, all the people he's, he's creating jobs for, etc. Next one. Um, we went to Kenya, planted a seed there that has not taken place yet. Um, but this one and the next one, go to the next one. Um, this is in uh, Tanzania. Both of these areas have groups of dedicated business, government, educators, and um, pastors who see the value of transforming through their work. This Kingdom Leadership Network is a group that is very purposefully going about transformation. Their goal is to seed the government of Tanzania with Christian, solid Christian kingdom changers. They're bringing them up on purpose, placing them on purpose, getting people elected into the government on purpose, getting people to own big businesses on purpose, all intentional. Next one. Um, this is a very small village in Tanzania. And this was a little tiny church that we went to, and I got to wear robes for the first time preaching. Huh? Is that cool? Anyway, <clears throat> this is a little tiny church. There's only about 60 people in it. And as the, the, the plan was, we were going to go out after, after in the afternoon, we were going to go out with just the pastor and um, one city leader that happened to be in this church, and we were going to claim the city, this little village, which is a truck stop village. I mean, it's literally on a major, major truck road, which means that it's a prostitution village. It means that it's a drug village. It means that it's a um, drinking village. It's just, a, just this pot of hell there. And um, during, during, the, during the sermon, the, the Holy Spirit just said, no, you're not going to do this. You're going to invite the whole congregation. And, you know, can you imagine here in, in America inviting people at, uh, you know, like 11, 12, probably, probably about noon, and saying, by the way, in three hours, we're all going to show up at the edge of town and we're all going to pray. Can you imagine everybody changing their plans and doing that? Not. Half the congregation showed up. We had to rent a bus, and that's what this one is. <clears throat> we raised the blood of Jesus over the town of Ruaha. To break every stronghold. We repent for those things we have done. The music in Africa is great. People came from all over and watched what was going on here. This is on the other end of town, so we drove across town and did this on the other end of town. Yes. We put up our shields of faith. We take control over our tongues. We erect walls and boundaries with our prayer. That the enemy cannot cross. Okay. We only have one more. Um, this last one is peace again. Um, and uh, just, just real quick there, it said the key to transformation is intercession. I want to leave you with one thing no matter what else you do. What 
whatever you're in, whether you're in a job or in a school or whether you're going to be a full-time missionary or pulpit pastor, whatever, you, whatever you're going to do, begin now getting yourself an intercessory team because the enemy will target you. If you decide to be purposefully transformational, the enemy's going to paint a big target right on your back. Get yourself an intercessor. You can read more about that on market70.com and learn how to do that if you want to. But Okay, the next one. Um, so Peace, remember Peace is the um, hospital nurse, and she works in the um, maternity area. And I'll let her tell you the rest of the story, and this is what we'll end with. So in our theaters, I work with the surgeons and the doctors. So as we are operating, there are some mothers who come in, and the midwives have already said, we don't feel the fetal heart, the baby is so weak, the baby is already dead, just operate and save the mother's life. But out of learning that I should intercede as I work, I stand on table operating while praying in my spirit, praying in my heart, praying for the baby, for the doctors, and even the mother who is being operated upon. I thank God before I took no much attention upon the babies who were brought out. But right now, after having an intercession, intercession spirit inside me, uh, I always take care of the babies who come out of the womb. Even those that have said they're so weak and they cannot come out well. So because I take care of the babies, most times I feel their fetal hearts. And at least I feel a little thing and I plead unto the doctors. I'm like, Sir John, this baby can make it. Let's try to take care of him. Let's take, try to take care of her. Sometimes the surgeons are like, no, the thing is already dead just throw it away. Sometimes they put them on the side. But I try so much and pull their hearts onto the babies. And right now at least I've managed to save two babies. At first it was a mother who was delivering twins. Delivered the twins and another, another twin was thrown off. They were saying it's a dead thing. But in my spirit I was praying and the spirit was saying at least this baby is alive. So I prayed for the baby, took care of the baby, followed up the baby, Till the baby was fine. And the other one they expected to be okay later on passed off. But this one whom that dropped is the one who was living. And the mother was glad about having the baby. So I just thank God about Market 7. It has taught me how to intercede on behalf of my job. It has taught me to love my job. So peace. Isn't she wonderful? Peace is literally reclaiming the hospital market. She's reclaiming the surgeons. She's challenged them, and they are now saying, well, maybe we, maybe we should take a second look. So here's what I'm going to leave you with. I'm going to leave you, you with a prophecy as well. And then I'm going to have, I'm going to have you do something ministry-wise with each other. But, he, but the prophecy you heard earlier that Ben gave you I heartily concur with that the time is coming and is now when you will find yourself in those positions. I'm going to broaden that prophecy. He said, in the house of the Lord. I'm going to broaden that prophecy, and I'm going to say that you are the ones that are being called in the marketplace. Every one of you is anointed with the power of God through the Holy Spirit to influence the sphere that you are in. Every one of you, every one of you is called and anointed to reclaim that area which Christ has redeemed. Every one of you is in the spot now that he wants you to be working in. Maybe not forever, maybe not even for a year, but wherever you are now is where he wants you to be working. So reach in. Reach inside yourself where he meets you. And eat that scroll, the word that he's put in you, 
the heart that he's put in you for your, for your neighbor, for your classmate, for your employer, your employee, your fellow employee. Listen to that heartbeat that you have for that person and understand that you walk through those four steps and you reach out in ministry, every single one of you. And it's just as much, if not more so, a ministry of doing as it is speaking. Now, speaking still is important, but you notice it was the last of four steps, not the first. And each one of you, I speak into each one of you a wisdom a wisdom beyond any human knowledge. A wisdom that comes directly from the Holy Spirit. A wisdom that will teach you to open your eyes to the people around you. Speak blessings into them, into their lives. Build relationships with them. And heal them. So that you can bring them in to the kingdom of God. Amen. Um, okay, ministry time. Uh, let me just uh, give you a thought, as well as all the prayer that, that um, uh, Dan mentioned earlier, um, and the idea of just being asked to be prayed for, for anything even. <laughs> it's Prayer is powerful. Give a thought. If this is the first time you've heard this kind of a message, if this is the first time you've been challenged to think about your ministry as your work and your work as your ministry, ask for prayer around that. Ask for, ask for prayer for wisdom and discernment. Ask for prayer for strength, boldness. Ask for prayer just for guidance. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. So yeah, we'll take that time now. Turn to your neighbors. We'll have some people up here. Um, I'm going to pray for you too. Um, vocally take responsibility for your marketplace and reclaiming it and uh, tackle anything else that's on your heart. Um, and, and then um, afterwards, after you get some prayer, there's some pizza upstairs. Go get some pizza and fellowship, and and uh, so yeah, go ahead and turn to your neighbor.